Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. and I'm happy to be preaching with you today. Um, And so this week, we're launching a new series on beliefs and identity and exploring questions of just who we are, what are we about, what kind of things do we like to practice, just kind of various questions uh, related to that. Um, The global church has been around for about 2,000 years now. Uh, We can read about that in Acts chapter 2, roughly 30s AD, early 30s AD. And so we've been around for two millennia. Um, We've experienced a lot of things along the way, uh, good, bad, ugly, and indifferent. Um, In 1054 AD, that was kind of the first kind of major church split that we had going on. Up until that point, you pretty much all were kind of like the same. Um, But in 1054, Catholics and Orthodox, they kind of went their separate ways. Um, That's called the Great Schism. Um, That's kind of the lesser known one. Uh, The the bigger one that we're all more familiar with was about 500 years later during the Protestant Reformation. Um, Another split happens. Um, And several groups broke away from being Catholic. And when we talk about that, read about that, we often associate that with Martin Luther. Um, and certainly he was part of it, um, but there were actually, actually several waves of Reformation that happened. There were several breakaway groups that were happening. Like, there were several pockets of that. Um, and these groups have continued to break away, and we have literally hundreds, if not thousands, of different uh, Christian groups and denominations and faith streams all across the globe. Um, our local church um, is part of a faith, part of a faith stream called the Church of the Brethren. Um, this particular faith stream, we've been around for a little over 300 years now, started in Germany, you know, a kind of a product of the Reformation. Um, and I think, I think hopefully most of you know that I did not kind of grow up in this particular faith tradition, um, but as I've kind of explored my faith and been on this journey and kind of understanding things, um, I came to find myself in alignment of our values and perspectives. Um, And as I've gotten to know our story here over the last two years, um, the overwhelming majority of us that consider this their church home um, either grew up in this faith tradition um, or we have some sort of historical tie to it. Uh, That's that's true of the majority of us that are here. Um, And so everyone here either like typically values the concept of being brethren or we like that word or it's just something we're familiar with or something we've been part of for a while. Um, so that seems to be like the, the uh, trend across the board. And yet also as I continue to talk to us and get to know people's stories, um, like we like this thing being brethren, uh, but at, at times there's maybe some unfamiliarity about what that all means, maybe some uncertainties about that. Um, it's just some kind of like, we like this thing, but we still have questions and confusion about that. And so I've gotten this sense that like, hey, we like this thing that we're part of, but there's also some stuff maybe we're not quite sure about, or maybe some stuff it's good to just talk about from time to time to make sure we're all on the same page about that. Um, and weirdly, uh, that's also the sense that I get from many in our denomination across, across the country as well. 
Um, I've, I've gotten very plugged into things over the last two years. I've taken several online classes. I've been to various conferences. I've gotten to know pastors locally in California as well as other parts of the country. Um, and again, I've, that, I've gotten that continued sense as well, that we like this thing, we like being together, uh, but we're also like there's some uncertainty about some of our beliefs or identity or some of the things that we, like, we are doing. And so I think there's like maybe a bit of an identity crisis, but when you're around for 300 years, you kind of like maybe it's from time to time, you need to kind of like kind of shift your energy in a little bit and continue to ask like, who are we? What, what do we believe? And so with that being said, um, I think it's again important for us to talk about those things. Um, so we're again, kickstarting this new uh, series on beliefs and values and things that are important uh, to us. And so next week, I'm launching a series called, What is Anabaptism? That's kind of our series next week. What is Anabaptism? As that's kind of part of our faith uh, history, our faith identity. And we'll go into some like intricacies of just what exactly that means. When someone uses that word, what are some like concepts that are associated uh, along with that? What, what's part of that, uh, of that story? Um, but today, as a precursor to all of that, as kind of like setting the stage for all of that, I, I want to talk about my own faith story and my own situation and my own kind of like where I've been with my life. Um, I've, I've talked uh, some of these stories with many of you here, either during my hiring process or maybe referenced them in other sermons or in one-on-one -on -one conversations, we've talked about these things. Um, but I want to bring it all together and kind of like talk about it with the whole group today. Um, but I think that, you know, as people that take faith uh, importantly, as people that t uh, take faith seriously, uh, that we grow comfortable with sharing our stories with one another, uh, talk about our failings, talk about our successes, talk about like how we've seen God in our lives and in our stories. So what I'm doing this morning, like anyone here can do this. And maybe, maybe at some point we'll do a series where we talk about kind of our, our faith stories and whatnot. Um, but Ron uh, read from part of Psalm 66 earlier, um, where the psalmist is calling to others to come and hear how God has been active in his life. And the psalmist is basically saying, like, hey, I have this story to tell you about how God was real to me, and I think it's, it's, it's important for us to kind of all be doing that thing. So we're kind of embodying uh, this part of Psalm 66 this morning. So uh, let's pray and uh, let's dive in. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for this, uh, your scripture. We're thankful for the Psalms. We're thankful for this uh, call from the psalmist to just uh, talk about our, our stories and talk about how you have uh, been real to us. And so this morning, as I share my story, I just pray that we would listen with, uh, with, uh, with, with important ears to hear what I have to say. I pray that my story can be uplifting to those around us, that we can be encouraged, and that we can let, uh, learn to better be your disciples as a result. Amen. All right, so uh, I grew up in South Central Pennsylvania. I grew up in the United Methodist Church. Uh, in fact, my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, was a Methodist pastor, and my parents met um, at that church together as teenagers. Uh, they got married at that same church. They had five kids in that same church. They still go to that same church. Like that, that's a very important part of their lives and their identity. And so for me, uh, that was always a huge part of growing up. Um, you know, at that time, there was probably a, a good three, three, four hundred people at that church, and there was always about 30, 40 kids in, in like our kids program as well as our youth program. So I kind of just grew up in a pretty like solid body of believers, and that was just always part of just uh, what I was doing with my life. Uh, faith, uh, being a part of church, things like that, always important to me. Um, some of my earliest memories of, of just our being in church and doing all kinds of churchy things. I uh, grew up going to Sunday school, church each week, doing VBS. Uh, churchy things, and it kind of continued in junior high school and high school, and that certainly con uh, continued. 
Um, and in, in my teenage years, um, I started to develop a, a bit of a crisis of faith, uh, however. Uh, where my, you know, my brain continues to develop as my body was developing and like, started having like, new ideas and new thoughts about things and I didn't know what to do with them and I didn't know how to process those thoughts. And the, the, kind of, like, the, the, the central thought that, I kind of like, that grew in my brain was, I've grown up in this thing, I've grown up in this church, but like, th- is this real to me? Like, do I actually believe this stuff? Or am I only just going along with it because that just, that's what you do? Like, I go here because my parents go here and like, is this, this what I'm supposed to do? Like, I, I don't know. Is this real to me, or am I just kind of like something I'm just doing because I'm supposed to? And I am, as I've, I'm 41 years old, I've kind of learned, like, I'm a process thinker. It takes me a long time to, like, process my thoughts and all that kind of stuff and, and all that. And, like, at 16, 15, 16, like, I had no clue how to, like, verbalize that or talk about that or anything like that. I was a shy kid and had this growing doubt, and I just didn't know, like, what to do about that or how to, how to do with that what to do or how to, how to do anything. And so what I did was simply this, nothing. I just did nothing whatsoever and continued to let it grow and fester in my brain. I sat on this question, I sat on this doubts, and it just continued to like snowball and snowball and snowball and just kind of like internally like just give me, like, like freak me out. Um, and again, I continued to say nothing and just was just all, like this all-consuming thought as, as I lived my life. And I felt like as I would go to, like I was a good kid, I like knew my Bible, I knew all the stories, and like I just felt like I was kind of being a fraud or being a phony because I'm like, well, no, like this is not real and everyone knows it and I don't, I don't know what to do about that or how to make sense of that. I mean, I would, I would just read my Bible every night. There was a period of my life where I would just kind of like read the Bible, I'd fall asleep, I'd cry and be like, I just got to, like what am I, like I feel like I'm not a real person right now and I don't know what to do about that. And again, all of this is just in, up here in my head. Um, summer after 10th grade, I ended up having this very in, uh, intense Pentecostal experience at this, at this Christian music festival in this, in this big field. Um, this, this stranger, someone I didn't know, um, I was at this campfire, like, and this kind of this special worship service, uh, came over to me, asked if he could pray for me. I stood up, and he ended up uh, praying for me. Um, and this group was very Pentecostal, very charismatic in their faith, um, and I ended up having this very intense uh, spiritual thing uh, happen to me uh, where I just was like, he was praying for me, and I just felt overcome with emotion. I was like openly weeping, and just, fe- uh, just, oh, like, just my whole body felt like full of electricity and full of just this sense that I was loved as a person, that God loved me. And like, I had never felt anything like that before. It was like this crazy wild experience. I know I talked about that at, at further length, in a, in a different sermon, and if you want to hear more about that sermon, or want more about that, I will gladly talk with anyone here about that. But I've got a lot of stories to share this morning. Um, but um, yeah, that was like this crazy, impactful thing that happened to me. I mean, again, that was 25 years ago that happened to me, and I've, I've shared this story so many times along the way. Um, and so, as I'm thinking about like what are some theological points from the story, I kind of have two I want to share this morning. Preaching points would be this. First is this, that I do believe that my home church was a safe space to ask questions and all of that kind of thing. I had youth leaders, Sunday school teachers, I had parents, like everyone was very open about like living out your faith. I was just a shy teenager that didn't know how to process his thoughts or like how to like put myself out there with people. And so I I would hope that like whatever church we're building here, whatever we're doing is that we can be a community where regardless of what you're thinking or dealing with or what you've done in the past or how you feel about things, that you can feel safe here. They can be yourself here, and you can ask, like, any question at any point, and no one will judge you, and you're welcome, and we will, like, figure it out together. And so I hope that that will always be true here. Um, I I talked about this idea last week during our Youth Sunday, uh, but I'll say it again. Like, if you're just dealing with 
anything in your life, I don't care what it is, any doubts, uncertainties, anything whatsoever, like you have a place here and you're allowed to voice those things with those that are here among you. Like we all welcome you in and we want to be a safe uh, space for you. And if you need someone to talk to, you can always send me an email, text, Facebook, and we will talk. But like, if you look around you, like everyone here wants to be in this with you as well. So it's like, I'm here for you, but we're all in this together as well. Um, Second preaching point is this. I think it's important to to recognize that faith is this multifaceted thing. And a big part of what we do here is we talk about loving people and loving God and all that. That kind of our two big focuses, like you preach that every single week, love God, love people. And like, I'm 100% on board with all of that. Like, I will never grow sick of talking about that. Um, but I think that sometimes we also gloss over the fact, or maybe we forget the fact, that we don't just believe in ethics. We don't just believe in morals. Like, it's, faith is so much more than that. We, at the core of our faith is that we believe that there's a God that became human in order to truly show us how to live and what it means to be human. And so at the core of our faith, is a sense of mystery and that the divine is just here in the world somehow. Um, you know, all of us here, we're all products of the modern age. It's what, 2023, we've all this crazy stuff. We're talking about what AI can do. It's like, it's madness, like, like what we can do with science. And I love all that stuff. I love talking about it. I love thinking about the future and like what that all looks like. Uh, but I also believe that there's a reality beyond the world that we can see. There's a reality beyond the, the rules of physics and the stuff that we can measure with science and all of that kind of stuff, that God shows up and speaks to us in ways that we can't just like quantify with like textbooks. Um, Pentecostal charismatic groups, they're, they're kind of a faith stream that has really latched onto that thing. And I think they have something to teach us uh, in that regard. And so I think hopefully that we can be open to some sense of mystery and curiosity that God will continue to be with us in ways that we don't always anticipate or understand. That yes, we love God and love people, but like God is like here in us as well. And it's not just about the science and stuff. Um, so a big part of my story is kind of what happened after this, that around this time is what I also experienced, what I label as my call to ministry. And every time I talk about that, I put it in quotes. I've been doing that for like 20 years, putting it in quotes. Um, kind of like junior, senior year of high school, I started to get this like growing sense that like maybe God wanted me to do something uh, ministry related. And <laughs> this, this next part of the story is very much like my last part of the story. I ended up feeling this thing and I did nothing. <laughs> I continued to feel this thing and I just like let it grow inside of me and fester because I didn't know what to do about that. Like that didn't make, didn't make any sense to me. Um, I ended up going to this um, private Christian college in New England, and I just continued to wrestle with, like, I don't, what does that even mean? I don't know what, even how to talk about that. So well, another two years or so goes by, and I'm just kind of feeling, like, again, internally miserable um, because I'm, I was majoring in computer science. I was taking these science classes, these, like, uh, computer classes, and I was, I was terrible at it. Like, I, I, that is, I am not set out to do that kind of stuff. I was really struggling with it. Um, but, again, I was feeling kind of alone because I don't even know how to verbalize, like, I think God might want me to be a pastor or do something for a church. Like, I just felt really dumb. Like, like how do you say that out loud? That just feels silly. Um, I couldn't picture myself doing that, and it just, like, saying those words out loud, I'm like, I can't actually put those words out of my mouth. And so, again, I just sat on it for two years. And I remember coming home from uh, work uh, one evening over the summer. I was cashiering, and it was this very hot and muggy August evening. And I was just like, you know what? All right. I, got, I just broke down. I got down on my hands and knees in front of my bed, and I said, like, um, I, I jokingly call it a begrudging prayer. I think we need to, like, acknowledge that there are some prayers that we just are, say begrudgingly, and that is okay, and God honors those prayers. And I don't exactly know what I said, but it was something like this. Like, I don't want to do this thing, but it feels like maybe you want me to, and if that's the path I'm supposed to take, 
okay, I'll do it. I don't want to, but I'm going to need some help along the way. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing, so just please help me. And again, I don't, I don't think I felt anything in that moment per se, but it was almost like a switch went off in my brain. I'm like, okay, I was on this path, and now I'm on this path. And that's what I'm going to do in, until, like, something comes along the way. It just tells me to not do that. Um, I ended up, like, uh, switching my major to biblical studies. In, in retrospect, I didn't actually need to do that because you have seminary. Um, but I, and then I went to seminary uh, as well. And, again, I had like, no idea what I was doing in that regard. I'm like, I don't, what, I, what do, I don't know what, what to do with this. I did not want to be a pastor. Um, but seminary, you go to school. I love school. It opens your eyes up to new things. You meet people. You just start, like, oh, I just didn't know all this stuff existed. And so uh, that continued with, with me there. Um, at one point, I had maybe, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get my PhD. And I finished it, my master's at 27. I'm like, I have no desire to get a PhD. I do not want to do that. Um, I thought maybe I maybe could do some overseas missions work. I actually went to Zimbabwe, Southern Africa for six weeks and kind of was involved with some things there, but I was like, this didn't feel like that was what was to come to pass. Um, I graduated. Um, I was kind of in, same in, in the area. I was attending this really small congregational church, um, and that church went through a bit of a crisis because we basically ran out of money, and we had to, like, let go of our pastor. It was just like long, we knew it was coming and like nobody wanted to deal with it or do anything. And then you get to a point where like, oh, we can't pay you anymore. And so he had to basically leave. Um, and this is also like 2008, 2009, when um, the world was just melting down financially. So just everyone was stressed about money all of the time. Like it was, it was just a bad time for, for money, if you remember that. And our, our, our tiny church, we had like no game plan of what to do next. We were so focused on just like losing him and like, oh, we're, like, we're going to lose him. Ah, how can we pay for this thing? And he left and we're like, oh, what, what do we do now? Like, what do we, how do we keep doing this thing called church? Um, and so we, just, we had no game plan. Um, we had no outside voices helping to guide this conversation. We were very congregationally minded. So it's just like us and nobody else. And so when no one's telling you what kind of like helping you with that, you kind of just... You hope for the best. Um, and I had just finished seminary. I had, I had two preaching classes under my belt. I'd given like four sermons. And I kind of raised my hand. I was like, I mean, I guess I can help. Like, I can help lead services while we figure this kind of thing out. Um, I didn't exactly like preaching. I really struggled with the classes I had. I might have gotten like B pluses, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I was like, you know what? I have this, like, I have some training in this. Let me, I can help out and we'll just see uh, where it goes. And they were like, yes, please, like, thank you. We'll, we'll you, like, run with this thing. And so over the next few months, I kind of started bumbling my way through this, and I started kind of writing sermons, and I realized, like, oh, like, you kind of develop your style and your voice and your rhythm, and, and there was, like, this change that happened in me. And it went from me being like, hey, I, I love our church, I love our people, let me just kind of help out, to, like, I feel, like, underqualified, but I'll help out, uh, to, to finding that, like, oh, I actually kind of like this, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a voice, and I'm getting better at it, and, and gaining confidence, and realizing, like, hey, maybe what the church needs is, like, right here the whole time. Like, maybe we kind of, like, have it already, the answer in front of us. Um, and eventually, I threw my name in, into, pile, into the pile for consideration, and there were some meetings, and you have a vote, and suddenly people were like, yeah, like, we affirm you. Like, we want to, like, you to, to, to do this and, and lead us in this next uh, phase of our lives. And I, I was so excited for this, and yet so terrified, because I'm like, well, what am I doing here? And yet, for the next four years, I just poured myself into that role as, as best as I could. Um, and I can tell you, I certainly made my fair sh share of mistakes during that time. And I can, I can look back on that period. Man, I wish I had handled certain things differently. Or, I, you know, you always wish that you, you knew then what you know now. Like, you certainly can talk about all those kind of things. Uh, but again, I, I think that's how life is. And that, 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 that's the journey that we're on. I, th I think we're all doing the best with what we have, that God shows up, and that God honors that. And I think we can, need to continue to, like, acknowledge that, that we're not called to perfection, but we're called to just show up and be faithful. 
Um, and so I think uh, for this part of my story, my two preaching points are this, is that one, we live in a society that we just want instant answers all the time. We want, like, we just, everything is immediate. And yet when we read about God and the Bible and scripture and stories there, like, God seems to not act instantaneous with a, with a lot of these things. Like, yes, sometimes there are times where God shows up immediately. It's amazing. Uh, but by and large, our lives are, are, are a journey of ups and downs, of lefts and right, and, you know, all of that. Um, and, and God, again, is not calling us to just instant success or having it all together or always perfectly knowing what to do, uh, but simply to faithfulness. Like, that's what God is calling us to do, to just show up and to be faithful, to love him, to love others, and just, just do your best, and that's what we're called to do. Um, I, I love the story of Abraham. I think this is exemplified so well in the story of Abraham. Uh, in Genesis 12, there's this great promise given to Abraham. You will be made into this great nation. So he has, like, this promise, like, oh, I'm going to be made into a nation. That means I'm going to have kids and we'll become a, a, a people. Um, and so Abraham finally has a son in Genesis chapter 21. So nine chapters later uh, is when the, the kind of the start of the nation happens. And if you sit down and you read Genesis 12 to Genesis 21, it's like 12 pages in your Bible. It takes you an hour or two. It's something you can kind of do over, you know, over the course of an afternoon. It's something you can easily knock out. And we may easily miss this crucial detail when we sit down and read it, is that but the, those nine chapters, that, that hour of reading, that covers 25 years of Abraham's life. Uh, Abraham, or God promises Abraham this thing, and then it takes a, a, a quarter of a century to come to pass. And again, I think all of us are on this faith journey, and as we're just figuring out life, as we're figuring out our sense of calling, as we're figuring out purpose, as we're just like wrestling with difficult questions, and maybe there's like a sin in our life, or just, just things aren't making sense, and we just want to have it all figured out together now, like, like maybe it's more than just that, and, and that's okay. You know, we have struggles to how to, uh, like, talk about something or frame an idea, and sometimes it just takes time to kind of put that all together, and that is okay. Again, we're on a faith journey. We're called to just, just to show up and just do our best. Second point is this, that we as a church, uh, church community uh, should continue to be a safe place where we can explore our giftings and our talents and our callings and all of that stuff. So kind of like the first point. First point, I want to be a safe space where we can just ask good questions about faith, but also be a safe space where we can just practice our faith together and practice just our giftings and just do things together. That, you know, if there are things that you're good at, you like doing, like we can probably use you here in some sort of capacity. Let's try to make that happen. Um, you, know, uh, you know, we're gathered here together. You're listening to me talk, but like just as I look out at just as who's here and just what it takes to put on a service on a Sunday, like there's all kinds of people and things and energy that we need for this. We, we need Sunday school teachers and musicians and people to open and close the building and to decorate and like all of this stuff that goes into a Sunday. Um, we were recently looking for people to help with the sound booth, and several people were like, yeah, you know, I can do that. I don't have a sense of calling to be an you know, audiovisual person, but like, I can step in and help to fulfill that role, and that's amazing, and we all benefit from that, and that's beautiful, and we continue to like, do those things as, as a church. And so as other needs and opportunities arise here as a church, I want to encourage and challenge all of you to be exploring those things, uh, whether it's something you're good at or not, whether it's something you like, care about or not, like, we're in this together, and we need each other to function well. Um, you know, we're always open to new folks helping out with music and singing. Um, we'd, I'd love to have more people help with, out with the adult Sunday school. You know, you want to preach some Sunday? Like, all right, let's have a conversation. You can get up here and preach, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. 
You know, if you're a person that maybe is like, maybe I do have this ministerial calling, I just, I don't know, maybe I have this voice saying something in, in my head, like, let's sit down and talk, you know? So we have a lot of practical needs here as a church, and we're open to new avenues of ministry together, and let's be a safe space where we can just, like, practice those things together in community. All right, so I ended up leaving my last church to move to Phoenix in 2014. Um, so I'm coming up on almost 10 years here, which is kind of weird to think about. I still don't know my way around at all. But like, I, was like, I keep saying, I'm new here. I'm like, I've been here 10 years. I should probably not use GPS so much. Um, but I, I was very excited to arrive in Phoenix, a bunch of reasons. Um, mentally, um, I had discovered like, the theology of the brethren and Mennonites and Anabaptists and Quakers, like that kind of like that faith perspective of like, oh, like that makes sense to me. Like, and like, I like that. Um, and if you, like, I was living in New England, and if you know anything about New England, like, none of that stuff is there. So I had this, like, idea of, like, how I wanted my faith to be, but I didn't have anyone to, like, do that with. Um, but when I moved here to Phoenix, I was like, oh, there's actually a hub of people that are kind of in that world, and I can meet them, and it's exciting, you know? Um, and, and ironically, like, I grew up in South Central Pennsylvania. I grew up in this, like, hub of, like, all of that, I, like, and I was surrounded by it, and it wasn't until after I moved away that I, like, I was like, oh, these are my people. It's just, I love irony. I love when you're, I just love irony. I'm like, oh, I was like this weirdly ironic thing about my life. Um, I, I was excited to move here. It's because it's, it's warm all the time. I will never stop complaining about snow. I hate snow. I hate the cold. I love warmth. And I always tell, you know, it's like the joke, like, you don't have to shovel, you don't have to shovel sun sign. Yeah, you don't. It's great. I love it. Bring on the heat, you know? Um, I love it. So we have In-N-Out Burger out here. We have all kinds of new, like World Market. I'd never been to a World Market. Like, that's a cool thing we have out here. Like, all these things you just don't have in other parts of the country. I was, I was, I was so excited. Um, I had several years of pastoring under my belt. I had just gotten ordained. And so it's like, hey, like I'm in a place where I can kind of move to the next phase of my life. I'm, I'm excited about that, kind of take, taking a risk here, uh, where I could take what I've learned and developed, further my career, start this new phase, uh, which is like kind of that backstory of what I, what I had gained. I was like, it was a good place to just move forward with my life. And I moved here uh, because at the time, uh, I was married to someone who was originally from here. And, and our plan was always to end up here eventually. Uh, we been together for four years, and now it was the time. And again, a bit of a faith, a bit of a step of faith because I didn't have a job. Um, I didn't really know that many people here. Uh, we had a place to live, and we had some money and savings. And it was like, hey, let's take a chance. Let's figure this thing out. Um, so I landed here. I started to network. I started to get to like meet people. Um, Ron Faust is one of the first people I met. I got to know uh, Circle of Peace, Jeremy Ashworth, like other people that we were connected with. I started to like meet these people, and I was like, excited about that. Um, and just kind of get a sense of, of what Phoenix is like. And, and then about after about being here for about three months, uh, early 2015, um, I had a very unexpected conversation uh, with the person that I was with, uh, where she told me one night, like, "Hey, you know, I don't think I want to do this with you anymore." Uh, together. I don't think I want to be together anymore. Um, and I was not expecting that conversation uh, to take place. I was not expecting that at all. And my life quickly went from this like soft reboot of being in a new place and figuring things out, very soft reboot, to a very complicated and intense and like hard reboot of just everything I thought I knew about life. Like just completely like upside down rug pulled out from under me. And so in 2015, I started off as a, pl a place of excitement and then quickly just questioning like my basic reality. And I, again, I don't know exactly what my, what, what my prayers were, were verbatim per se, uh, but I was praying a lot. And it was basically like, Lord, I don't know what's going on right now and I need help. And as I think back to my story, like, oh, I need help a lot. Like my prayers are like, I just pray for help a lot. So I have no clue what's going on, I need help. Um, and by this point, I'd started to make a couple connections here and there. I ended up getting this job at this like thrift store that doubled as a food bank. Um, and one night, um, I guess I just 
I'd like to tell strangers my, like, I don't know who you are, I'll just tell you what's going on. So the guy that helped me get the job, I just like, this is what's going on in my life, and just told him everything. Um, and then he and his, his family opened uh, their house up to me shortly after this. Uh, and there's this teaching from Jesus, like I was a stranger and he took me in. Like I was pretty much a stranger to this guy and he, he took me in. And like, that's one of the many steps along the way where I saw that God was able to provide for me. And so as the months passed by, I continued to figure life out. Um, I, ended up, I ended up getting a job in Phoenix. I was like, I, can, I think this is where I'll land. And it wasn't in churches or like things like that I thought I'd be in. Uh, but it was it's this weird company where I was like, I'm going to sell mattresses over the internet. Like that was what I started telling people. And it's like, even now, it's like, it's weird. Like that's what I ended up doing. Um, and I, I started to kind of share just what had happened to me uh, with friends and family and just like, oh yeah, by the way, my life's different now. Um, I ended up writing this blog that just... Um, explain my situation and just was like, this is what the last years look like. And I got a ton of love. Like, I put that out there. Like, I'm just got to talk about this now, you know? Um, I got a ton of love from just all over the country, friends, family, you know, the people I barely knew were reaching out to me and just thanking me. And I was like, I was just, I felt showered in love. Um, and it, just, it, was, it, was, it was helpful to, to, to have that. Um, Henry Nowen, he, he's this Catholic writer, and I, re- I really like him. He's like, he writes these books that are like this thick, but they're like, they, they feel like you're reading something like, like this. Um, one of his books is called A Wounded Healer. And his whole point is that as we experience wounds, we can be a source of healing for others, like in that process. I think it's something very beautiful and very restorative in, in that. Um, and one of the people that reached out to me, like I had never met, um, but someone had shared my story with her, and, and she reached out to me. She, like, she sent me a DM, and she said, hey, uh, I'm going through this too, um, and your words are a reflection of what I'm feeling. Like, I'm doing this thing, and like, no one, none of my friends have been through this, and so they don't know what to say, and their advice is really terrible and not helpful, um, and you're actually saying stuff that I can connect with and I appreciate. And I was like, really touched by this. I was like, oh, like, wounded healer. Or, like, maybe I can be a wounded healer for people. And I'm like, if my story can help others, then like, there's redemption there, and like, I want to pursue that. I, I believe in redemption, so let's like, figure this out. And so I said, hey, hey, we should talk, and we should hang out. And so that's what we did, and then we, we started talking and hanging out, and that led to more talking and more hanging out. And uh, that led to uh, May of, of 2017, six years ago, uh, where we, we pledged in front of fen- friends and family and God to keep on hanging out and, until we are separated by death. Um, and that led to uh, uh, President's Day, uh, 2019, of Franklin coming to join with us, and uh, 20 months later, little little June uh, joined us as well. Um, gosh, I'm supposed to cry during this part. Um, um, you practice this thing, you're like, I can I can get through it. Um, so many so many things I could say. Oh, so many things I could say about that that time and that journey and the, the, those those 2015. Uh, here's here's two uh, kind of points. Again, continuing with that theme of two, um, that none of us here are promised an easy life, free from pain and suffering. Uh, but we are promised that Jesus will always be with us no matter what we're doing with, no, no matter what we're dealing with. Um, especially in modern-day America, I think there's this subtle undercurrent that, like, we have this idea that we can control everything. Like, we, that's just an idea that we all have. Like, we have control. Um, and then if we do the good and right and moral thing, God will reward us from a life that's free of suffering. Like, again, no one says that out loud, but it's, like, this thing in the back of our minds that, like, we all kind of, like, kind of toy with and think that it's true. And it's almost like a more subtle version of the prosperity gospel, this idea, like, God wants to make you rich and be happy. Like, we all hear that and we're all like no that's not that's not true at all but like we all still kind of maybe believe a like a like a watered down version of that um and so i think there's this idea that by doing good things by being good moral people that that we will avoid bad things in life 
I think it's almost like a cousin to like karma or something like that. Again, we're all like enticed by this idea. And it's true that if you live a good moral life, there's certain pitfalls you will avoid, certainly mistakes you will avoid. Um, but outside of that, like, we're not in control of like anything. Like, we have no control over anything in our lives. Um, we can control maybe our own reactions and emotions to things, but that's about it. And a lot of times when you're going through something real difficult, you can't even control your emotions and how you respond to things. And so none of us are promised a life free from suffering and pain, but we are promised that God will be alongside of us in those dark moments no matter what we are going through, and that's something we can always latch on to. Um, and the second point is this, second preaching point is this, that God is very much in the business of redeeming all things, and that's something, again, we can never grow weary of talking about, this, this ongoing redemption in our, in our, in our lives as, as individuals and as churches and as society. There's like redemption and new things each and every single day that might not look like we think it's going to look like, but there's still redemption, and that, that's beautiful. Um, part of my healing process, I, I drove up to Washington State with another friend who was uh, going through a divorce, uh, I was going to spend some time at my sister's house. And we're driving, it was like, you know, however long, two days on the road, listening to all kinds of podcasts and music. And uh, we put on this Rob Bell podcast. And Rob Bell was talking about being in some sort of dark moment in his life. And he was like, almost like staring into this abyss. And he was like, I need to step through this abyss, this darkness, and to like, I walk through it so that I can kind of begin this healing process. And I remember like, we're driving and I'm like, I was like, vis- I was like, so angry. I'm like, no, like, I don't want to do that. I'd like, I, I have no, ah, I can't go through the darkness. Um, but I realized, like, if I don't do that, if I don't face this stuff and deal with my emotions and figure out my life and all of that, I'm never going to move on. I'm never going to heal. I'm never going to become like a new person uh, through all of that. I wouldn't have this chance to heal if I didn't do that. I wouldn't have this chance to experience this very beautiful thing I have in front of me right now if I didn't step through that darkness. Um, you know, part of that time, uh, part of that season, I ended up going to a couple of these like divorce like meetup groups. And um, let me tell you, like, those are some of the most depressing things I've ever been a part of, I've ever, ever sat in on. And I'm sure they're helpful to some people, so I don't want to like, just say it's like terrible across the board. I'm sure it helps some people. Uh, but the few that I went to, it was this room full of people that were just like stuck in this cycle of bleakness who couldn't seem to just break out of it. And they, again, everyone's sense of timing and healing is different. Totally get that. I totally get that. But some of these people, it seemed like they were just like stuck and like, consumed and defined by their divorce, some of which had happened years ago, and they were still, like, like in it. Uh, none of us are defined by our pasts, uh, but they certainly can help to shape us, and they help to explain who we are. But, like, again, there's redemption, and everything about, I think, life is, 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 is found in Christ and the redemption that he offers. That, that Christ is continually with us, redeeming our stories, walking alongside of us and saying, like, you are always defined by me, you're not defined by your past, your mistakes, all the stuff that's happened in your life, any of these other markers, like, you're always defined by me and the redemption that I bring you each and every single day. That's my second preaching point. And so the psalmist says, all believers, come here and listen. Let me tell you what God has done for me, that I called out to him with my mouth, my tongue shaped the sounds of music. If I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would have never listened, but he most surely did listen. He came on the double when he heard my prayer. Uh, blessed be God, he didn't turn a deaf ear. He stayed with me, loyal in his love. You hopefully know more of my story now. And so let's continue to share our individual stories with each other as we kind of dive into this thing of like, what is our story as a church? 
Because I think the more we understand our story, the more we understand ourselves, uh, we, can better move in, we can better move into the future being faithful in our calling. And I'm so excited to kind of do that with you over the next few weeks and months. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.